Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. I'm Audrey Rinlisbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. Thank you so much for sharing out our podcast and writing reviews and letting others know about what we're doing here at The Mission Driven Mom. We have some awesome stuff coming up by the end of the year. The book is just about ready to go. A new website is going to be launched. We have some merchandise we've been working on. In fact, a couple came in the mail today and they turned out so cute. So really excited if to get those things out and available for you. If you're not on our email list, go ahead and go to the missiondrivenmom.com and join our email list so that you can get updates on all those exciting things that are coming up. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about perfectionism. It's something that I've thought about off and on for a very long time, and I just thought I would share some thoughts about it that you can ponder and may be helpful to you. So the first experience I had that was really like (laughs) perfectionism is a thing and maybe I'm a perfectionist was I was trying to think about when this was I think it would have been almost 18 years ago now I was in a distance course and we were reading like War and Peace and some C.S. Lewis and Federalist Papers not all of them select like, I don't know, a couple dozen of them. And I got really stuck in the Fed papers. And I just, I couldn't, oh man, I couldn't understand really what I was reading. And I definitely didn't know why it was like important. So I finally called And I was like, is there anybody that can help me? Because this is just a distance course. I just did stuff on my own and then sent in assignments. And I realized I need some mentoring or some tutoring here. Like I do not get it. So luckily, an incredible woman who's still a dear, dear friend had some free space and I started paying her actually to mentor me through these Fed papers because I was really struggling. And so you know, we had this arrangement that I would, well, one of the first things she said to me was, she said, okay, I will mentor you and you will decide what you can get done each week. It's your decision. But if you don't keep your commitment twice, I'm not going to mentor you anymore because I'm too busy to work with people who aren't serious. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So now not only am I paying her money, but I've got to keep my commitments or I'm out. So we're going along. We're doing our thing. I'm, I've am i got four little ones at this point, probably under age 10. And life is busy, right? But this is important to me. And I really want to stretch myself mentally and I've really been inspired by this content and so I really want to do this. I make a commitment about what I'm going to complete the next week and I don't finish it. 
So we get on this phone call, this mentoring session. And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't finish it. And these were all the reasons why I didn't finish it. And of course I was, I wasn't making excuses. Like they were legitimate things, but of course, if I would have been more dedicated, I would have like made the time or whatever, but I didn't want her to, to, you know, be disappointed in me. And so I'm feeling really frustrated and overwhelmed. And so finally I'm like, you know, I just think that maybe we should, I should stop mentoring for a little while and kind of get my act together, get my ducks in a row, you know, get things better organized here around my house, get better schedules, get better systems. And then I'll pick this back up and finish this course. And she said something that was like the last thing I expected to hear. She said, Audrey, you know, perfectionism is a sin. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you're a perfectionist. You're being a perfectionist right now. And that's a sin. (laughs) First of all, how am I being a perfectionist? And second of all, why in the world would that be a quote sin? Like, why would that be a bad thing? You know, she meant this in the most loving way possible, but she was trying to frame it in a way that I would take it seriously and that I would not make excuses about how, you know, whatever excuses I was going to make. And so a conversation ensued where basically she was like, you know, some things are just important and some things are more important than other things. And if it is really the right time for you to stop this class and to go do something else or to work on stuff in your house, then that's fine. But I'm going to repeat back to you what you told me. And that is that you feel this is where God wants you, that you felt strongly that this was the right path for you, that you searched and searched and searched for months and you found us. And this is something that you need to work on and that you need to do. But you're willing and ready to put that aside because you can't do it perfectly. Your paradigm right now, what you're telling me is, if I can't do everything in my life perfectly, then I'm just going to start cutting things out willy-nilly and I'm going to cut things out of my life that I feel like God wants me to do, that I feel passion around, that I feel like can be good for me and for my family long-term. You're going to give that up for some short-term things because you have a lot going on. She's like, of course you have a lot going on. We all have a lot going on. This isn't a question of, can you do everything? Because you can't, you cannot. But it's a question of what are you willing to sacrifice so you can do the most important things? And if you're telling me that this is the one of, mo- one of the most important things, then your perfectionism right now is sinful because you're willing to give up what you know is really important in order to have everything look perfect in order to have your assignments be perfect in order to have your home or your kids or whatever it is be perfect and it really really caused me to think you know she's like you're the one that decides what these assignments are you're the one that decides how quickly you're going and you can slow down but I just think if you quit now you're just 
being a perfectionist to a fault. And that's wrong. I started thinking more about this perfectionism thing. I thought a lot about what she said, and I don't remember the exact words, of course, but that was really the sense of what she was saying to me. I started to get more honest about why I had been ready to quit and what it was that was bothering me so much and how I could make space in my life for what was most important. And I learned a lot of lessons along the way. And there's a lot of different podcasts about different aspects of that journey. But I want to just mention a few things. If you are a perfectionist, if you struggle with perfectionism, then I want you to think about what you might be giving up for your perfectionism. What might be the higher, more noble, more worthy activities you could be engaged in if you weren't quite so worried about how everything looked and what everybody thought? I took the Enneagram test and I came out as a perfectionist. And if you're interested in this kind of thing, we can post the book for you and you could spend some time, take the test online or whatever and But I wanted to throw out some things that it says on there because it's really quite been quite valuable. Because, for example, there are a lot of things that I like about being a perfectionist. So, for example, here's some things it says in there. What I like about being me. I'm self-disciplined and able to accomplish a great deal. I work hard to make the world a better place. I have high standards and ethics. I'm conscientious, responsible, and dedicated in everything I do. I'm able to put facts together, come up with good understanding, and figure out wise solutions. And I like striving to be the best that I can be. And bringing out the best in other people. And it's really true. If you have perfectionist tendencies, you may see yourself in some of those characteristics. I read those and I was like, yeah, I really feel like that's the kind of person that I am. I work hard. I'm very responsible. I try to make the world a better place. But some things that are hard about being me, listen to this, being disappointed with myself or others when my expectations aren't met, like I just did an expectations podcast a few months ago. It's rough. I set high standards for myself and for other people. And if we don't meet them, then it's hard. And so I'm having to learn about that. Feeling burdened by too much responsibility. Thinking that what I do is never good enough. Not being appreciated for what I do for people. Being upset because others aren't trying as hard as I am. Obsessing about what I did or what I should do, being tense, and taking things too seriously. In fact, (laughs) as a little drawing, how I drive myself crazy. I should have checked the figures one more time. Am I dressed properly? I could use some help, but nobody can do it as well as I can. (laughs) 
I should have run the meeting more fairly. I was like, seriously, so many things about being a perfectionist in the Enneagram thing that totally apply to me. Okay, so here's another good one. This is comments about perfectionists. My employee is efficient and patient. When she can't complete an assignment, she'll take it home. If she ever leaves, I have to hire two people to take her place. So these are the kinds of things people would say about me. My friend quit his job because his boss wanted him to do something that was unethical. He's committed to living by his principles and will never sacrifice his morals. He practices what he preaches. My friend is a teacher. It's hard for her because she's determined to read every single word of every paper and write down every criticism possible. The students love her because she's interesting, inspiring, and fair. Okay, so really awesome things and hard things about being perfectionistic in your approach to life. And I do think that a lot of us just have a little bit of this in us, but it can really be a downfall. Like it can really cause us all kinds of problems. In fact, here's one more. Here's a couple more positive things. As parents, perfectionists teach their children responsibility and strong moral values. They're consistent and fair and they discipline firmly. Those are all great things, right? Like I like that. <laughs> I'm like it like that. They're efficient, organized, and always complete the task. They're analytical and tough-minded. They do things in a professional and ethical fashion. So really, really great stuff about perfectionistic tendencies that, that we can be really, really proud of and things that make it hard to be a perfectionist. But with that in mind, I want to reframe perfectionism for you a little bit for the next few minutes and give you a couple simple tools or actions you can take that might help you move away a little bit from this perfectionist mindset. Because a lot of what my mentor told me was absolutely true. My need to have things be and look a certain way can get in the way of me actually just finishing things, getting things done, and most of all, doing what's most important. And it can be like all these expectations and high standards can just come crashing down on me and, and cause me to be, you know, depressed or disappointed or just totally shut down or throw my hands up in the air and just give up. You know, one of the things that religious people, especially Christians, talk about in terms of this whole perfectionism thing is they quote a couple scriptures, right? So for example, this is Matthew 5, 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven is perfect. And then they'll quote the story of the rich young man who came and said, okay, well, what can I do to get into heaven and Christ is like, we'll do all these things. And he's like, I'm already doing all of those. So then Jesus says to him, this is Matthew 19, 21. If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So something that I learned years ago that I hope will 
start helping you reframe what it means to be perfect. Because the things, the good things about being quote a perfectionist that I read to you, having high standards, living according to your principles, being governed by a strong moral code, teaching others to be responsible, being an ethical person. Those are all really great traits. I mean, yeah, we want to be like that, you know, for sure. But then we get in this mucky, cloudy area called perfectionism or being perfect. In fact, when I started teaching the seven laws of life mission and then later launched the mission driven mom, I can't tell you how much backlash I've gotten from women who think it's almost like wrong or immoral of me and of our mentors and our board to teach women that they should focus on their strengths. They feel like it's more uh, righteous, it's more moral, it's better in some way to focus on your weaknesses and try to overcome your weaknesses. Now, I never said that when you focus on your strengths, you're not going to overcome your weaknesses, right? And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. I'm trying to address this tendency that so many women have to be overly hard on themselves, to be incredibly judgmental of themselves, to talk to themselves in ways that others would never talk to them and that they would, most importantly, that they would never talk to others in that way, beating themselves up, comparing themselves, thinking negative thoughts about themselves, all those things that just make us miserable. And perfectionism is at the bottom of a lot of that. Trying to, you know, matching our weakest point to someone else's strongest point. Thinking that we should be all things to all people all the time. Having these high expectations of ourselves that we're never going to reach. Okay. And thinking that because we have certain weaknesses or tendencies in ourselves that we don't like, that we're never going to make it. We're never going to succeed. We're never going to overcome that thing, whatever it is. And I'll tell you from a religious cultural standpoint, this idea of we're supposed to be perfect can feed into that tendency and make things worse. I think sometimes women are even tempted to walk away from their faith simply because they've decided that they're never going to measure up. And Perhaps some of that is perpetuated culturally, but it's also something that they're doing internally. And there are ways that we can correct this for ourselves and just make small tweaks and just reframe it so that this perfectionism doesn't totally chew us up and spit us out, <laughs> ruin our lives and make us miserable. I mean, my mentor was right. I was willing to give up on something. I searched for the right thing for me to do for almost a year. And I felt led to this school and I felt like this is where God wanted me to be. And when it got hard and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't continue to make everything in my life look as pretty and perfect as it had. I was ready to throw in the towel. I mean, that is wrong. That's, that's really wrong. I searched and searched and God gave me the next step. And then I was going to give up on it because of my perfectionist tendencies, because I couldn't do all the things in my life to my ultimate perfect standard. Okay. We're not talking about, you know, 
I had some kind of major addiction I needed to overcome, or I was some kind of, you know, massive hoarder and my children hadn't bathed for a week. Like, I'm not talking about those. Uh, clearly, if my home was in that kind of disarray, yes, I should put school on the side, put it on pause for a minute and get things in better alignment. But that's not what, that's not the kind of thing that we were talking about. And I would bet in your life, most of the time, that's not the kind of thing that we're talking about. We're talking about kids being in a million lessons we're talking about if you're a homeschooler, being the perfect homeschooler and every subject every day to the perfect nth degree. I mean, and women, really good, God-fearing, conscientious mothers are putting certain calls that God has for them on hold or aren't opening up their heart and mind to hear that because they aren't meeting some unrealistic standard in their lives they think they're never going to reach. So back to these scriptures. There's this thing called Strong's Numbers. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but what they did is, so the New Testament was written originally in Greek. And each original language word was given an entry number in the dictionary of those original language words listed in the back of a concordance. They become known as Strong's numbers in Strong's concordance. Okay. And they're the root words of, of the Greek that's in the New Testament. The word perfect that's been translated into English and was originally translated into English in the King James Version of the Bible the root, the, the root word in Greek that was, it was translated into the word perfect 17 times in the New Testament. It's the number G5046, okay? And um, it's original, the original word is teleos or teleos, not positive. And this is its original meaning. Finished completeness, consummate human integrity and virtue. Did you know that? It means complete in various applications of labor, growth, mental and moral character. So this idea, whatever you've constructed in your mind that perfect means, that is not what the New Testament means. And when we're asked to be perfect, we become perfect in this sense, complete, whole, of a high moral character by coming to God, right? So he is the conduit through which we become more of that kind of person. We don't never do anything wrong. We don't have all the perfect answers. We don't sometimes make mistakes. But all of all of those like holes in our character or ways that we messed up or inherent weaknesses that we have are filled in with God. And with him in a partnership relationship, we become whole. We become complete. The word it got translated into is perfect. So we are complete with him. And we are growing and becoming with God.
Okay. So we don't have to continue to carry around this unrealistic idea of what it's going to mean for us eventually someday to get to heaven or whatever. The fundamental element here, which we talk about at length in the MDM Academy, is the willing versus the willful. That submission, that yoking with Christ, that letting him carry our load. So I'm going to give you three things. I've kind of mentioned them already, but I'm going to give you three things that might just, I hope that better understanding what that word means, what the original Greek word is, how it was originally written and intended, is that as we partner with God, we become complete and whole and of a high moral character. And that to me sounds and feels so much richer and more beautiful and more attainable than this unrealistic, transient, whatever image of perfect that I've constructed in my mind. What we want to do is three things. First of all, we want to do what this book talks about with self-nurturing. We want to talk kindly to ourselves and remind ourselves that you're, we're totally okay when we make mistakes, that we don't need to take ourselves so seriously, that we're whole and complete right now because we've partnered with God and he's making up the difference, that we can ask for what we need, that we can get help. You know, one of the things that really, <laughs> really was just a huge insight for me about I have gotten so much better at this perfectionism thing, but believe me, I am still just like a work in progress and trying to really get my thoughts and emotions and beliefs in line with what the truth really is. Because, you know, I was struggling with some things in my family this year and I noticed this unhealthy pattern that I have of rehashing the past and coming up with all these things that if I would have done them different, then we wouldn't be having these problems. And I read in this book, it says specifically, instead of mentally rehashing past mistakes, remember the accomplishments you are most proud of. And it's so helpful because I was like, okay, but what are all the things I did well? What are all the things I did right? And boy, I feel so differently about myself when I think about the things that I did right. The things that I did well, the things that I knew were hard for me, but I did them anyway. Another thing that really stood out was we have this PR girl that's going to start helping us. And she's brilliant and awesome. And we've been talking and she was like, Audrey, I get the sense that you're an A plus kind of a girl. And I was like, well, yeah, totally. Isn't that the right way to me? <laughs> you know, as a kid, I was on the honor roll. I was never the smartest, but I would work hard. I mean, a lot of the time you can get an A just by turning in all your assignments. So I was conscientious and I did that, right? And she was like, you know what? In order for us to move forward and work together, you're going to have to be a really solid B minus. You're going to have to be willing to let go of some of that, quote, perfectionism so that we can get things done and we can move forward. And I, cause I kept telling her, and I know this for a long time in MDM, I've been the bottleneck and I've got to stop bottlenecking it. And so here's some of the things that it said about that as well. Ask others to help so you don't have more than your share. 
Allow yourself to do certain things quickly, although imperfectly, so you can get on to the next task or get home on time. <laughs> and it's so true because that's what I have a tendency not to do. And then, of course, being careful about the expectations I place on myself and others. I've had to learn. I've talked about this in the past. We talk about this in the academy, learning to really forgive. Vacationing, taking time off, not feeling like I have to be productive every moment. It's okay to relax and enjoy myself. So those are some things that have been really, really helpful to me. Just understanding that not even God expects me to be perfect. That's really not what, what, what's going on. I mean, God didn't do that translation of the Bible, right? <laughs> and uh, going back to that grief is super helpful. I'm sure there, you know, then there have been lots of other things that have been helpful about going back to the original. But in this instance, it's super helpful. So if you struggle with feeling like you need to be perfect, that's not what God expects. That's not what you should expect. That's not even necessarily what you should want. Because if we were too perfect, we wouldn't need God. You know, there's, I was just, you know, finishing up this last rewrite of the book. And there's this beautiful quote in there from Corey Ten Boom, where she says, you know, I'm just delighted to be part of God's work because I know that he loves, he delights in using small and simple things. I feel small and simple. I think all the time, oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Like, <laughs> I haven't run a business before. I haven't been on boards of large corporations. I don't have an MBA. MBA. Like, what are the credentials that qualify me to do what I do? It's just that I have certain gifts and I've worked hard to develop them. God's given me opportunities to do that. And then he just makes up the difference. And I've realized recently, even in that regard, I get to glorify him more because I'm weak and small. Because I know I'm weak and small and I know how much difference he has to make up and it glorifies him more. And he loves, he loves to use me in that way. You know, Jesus said, if you ask anything, I'll do it so that the, the father can be glorified in the son. So he loves to answer us when we ask for things and he loves to help us on our path. Because then we can give him the glory and he can show everyone, look how much more I can make of you. You don't have to do it on your own. So I mentioned earlier, another thing that may help you in reframing your perfectionistic tendencies, if you have them, is to focus on strengths. Now I want to read you something from Max Lucado. He says, live your life or it won't be lived. We need you to be you. You need you to be you. You can't be your hero, your parent, or your big brother. You might imitate their golf swing or hairstyle, but you cannot be them. You can only be you. All you have to give is what you've been given to give. Concentrate on who you are and what you have. This is from Galatians. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. He says, if you aren't you, we don't get you. The world misses out. And there's a, there's a podcast. I'm, I was thinking kickstart yourself. Discovery might be it. I'm trying to remember. It seems like there's another podcast that I may have talked about strengths. 
But this idea of shifting your focus to your strengths is so helpful because what's going to happen is when you focus on just being you, when you really accept that God doesn't make mistakes and that he made you the way you are for a reason. And I have other podcasts where I talk about different components of this as well. And my own problems with comparing and my own journey to be self-accepting and to recognize that there's certain work God would like done. And he fashioned me to do that kind of work. If I were a lot more extroverted, if I wasn't so uh, analytical, if I didn't love mental work, if I wasn't articulate, I couldn't do the things that I do. That self-acceptance is just gold. And he will help you with that as you start accepting that you are phenomenal and, and unique, that you have certain gifts. Because as long as you're trying to, you know, just fix your weaknesses, one of the things... <laughs> I mean, it's just human nature. That's boring. And it's, it's self-defeating because you're always thinking about what's wrong with you. What happens when you focus on your strengths is that this inner peace and confidence begin to settle inside of you where you realize, okay, God loves me. He made me gifted. He wants me to develop those gifts. And then he's going to help me use them in awesome ways. And I'm going to have joy in that. And others are going to have joy in that. So you get busy on that journey. And your whole frame of reference is off of you. Right? It's on the development of your gifts to be used in God's service. You're looking outside yourself. You're asking how you can insert yourself to make someone else's life a little better with the music that you bring into being or the food that you bring into being or the artwork you be bring into being or the architecture you bring into being, whatever those things are that you find joy in creating can be a blessing to someone else. And what happens when you do that is it's self-affirming, it's highly motivating, it's draws you closer to God, it draws you closer to the people around you and the best part is you overcome your weaknesses in the process because you're inherently motivated by things that are good inside of you that you want to bring out into the world. You are going to face weaknesses. There's you're, you're going to have roadblocks and you're going to have to you're going to realize, man, I am just not good at this part. What can I do about that? And then you're going to find partners who you value and love because they bring strengths that you don't have. And you're going to overcome certain tendencies and weaknesses in your pride because you're going to recognize there's so many things that you aren't good at and you'll become better. You'll have to face certain weaknesses and overcome them. So that's still going to get addressed. It's not like you're not going to grow and become better. You're actually going to become better quicker. And I've seen this in action in a lot of people's lives and in my own life. So I know what I'm saying here really works and it can work for you. The last thing that we really want to do is give the rest to God. I mentioned this earlier too. Jesus asks us to yoke ourselves to him. He says, my burden is easy. He has a goal <laughs> to help us out. Like that's his whole goal for existing is to help us out. When we go to him, and ask him for help, it aids his purposes 
it allows him to make up the difference for us. And it takes burdens off of our shoulders that we can't manage. We did this, this um, Mothers of Vision event, right? In September. And part of that experience was a vision walk that a team of us wrote and that I recorded. Part of that vision walk was to shoulder your burdens in the morning and to take them to God and hand them over. And in the mentoring I've been doing with some women that signed up for mentoring after the event, a handful of them in our last discussion said specifically that that was the hardest part of the vision walk and they didn't know how to hand their problems over to God. Now, I don't have all the perfect answers about how to do that, but I would encourage you to go back to those verses of scripture that talk about that and notice that they're written in command form. It's like a commandment, you know? Now, in, in conjunction with this, what's the original Greek meaning? Taking up your cross is about self-mastery. So what, what Jesus is saying is, you work on your self-mastery, I'll worry about the other stuff because you can only control you. Taking up your cross is working on your self-mastery. Then you yoke with him so he'll, he can make up the difference in all the other stuff that's got to get done. And multiple times in my parenting, I have had to hand a problem or even a child kind of over to God. It became clear to me that my influence in their life at whatever moment it was, was minimal. That they didn't necessarily want to listen to me. They'd already listened to me. They already knew what I believed. They already knew what I was about. They wanted to just figure it out on their own. I had to just let go. And this is really what we're talking about is letting go. You live those laws of life mission, right? Like you can control you. And that's it. And so much of perfectionism is about control, right? I mean, ultimately, that's what we're, we're trying to control the house looking perfectly clean all the time and the perfect the children looking perfectly manicured all the time and the neighbor, you know, the lawn looking perfect and us looking perfect and everybody out there knowing that we're perfect and having the right perceptions of our perfectionism. And we cannot control most of that. We can't do it all. We need a lot of help. And, you know, the longer I'm on this MDM journey, the more I see that it is just a thousand times bigger than me, that I am one small piece of the puzzle, that I need a lot, a lot, a lot of help. And we keep getting more help. You know, we have multiple subcontractors, a full-time secretary, Blaine has stepped in and done a bunch. We have a board. Now we have a leadership team and we still need more help. Because there's so much good that could be done and so many people have different gifts and not everybody has a lot of time. So we let go. We just tell God, okay, these are the things that I can control. You can even make this list. I have done it a lot of times. Like here's the things that I can control. I can control being grateful, focusing on the good, having positive, optimistic, faithful thoughts. My scriptures help me with that. My prayer helps me with that. My true statements, my gratitude, my visualization. Those are things that I can do so that I enter any given situation or moment at my best. I can strive for greater self-mastery. 
over how I nurture myself, over how I develop my gifts, over the education that I give myself, all these things, right? The principles I adopt and live and the rest other people have got to manage. They've got to make their own decisions. They've got to take responsibility for themselves and they've just got to live their own lives and have the journey they want to have. And I've got to let go of trying to control all of that because I can't anyway. And I'm just going to make myself and everybody else miserable when I try to. Perfectionism is something that will make you so unhappy. It has made me so unhappy so many times. But striving to be more whole through God, that's fun. That's enriching. That's a challenge. That's an adventure. Living better principles of self-care and self-nurturing. <laughs> that sounds exciting. Developing my talents, using them to serve others. All those things sound so great. And the challenge of this podcast is for you to begin reframing the way you see what it means to be perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. Not even God expects it. You be you or the world misses out. You can only be you, but you can probably be a little bit better you because you're the one that you can control and you're the one that can start giving out more of the gifts you've been given. So remember this tomorrow when things aren't looking perfect and focus on your strengths and let the rest go. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you don't have your audio copy of The Mission Driven Life, head over to themissiondrivenmom.com and get that. You can also find us on Facebook at the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group and join us there for lots of great discussion around these podcasts and other relevant topics. And also we do interviews, Facebook lives, all kinds of good stuff there. And hopefully we will meet you and be able to get to know you in that form. And I will see you next time.